0: And welcome to the show that would have to be dragged away from a £70,000 a week contract by wild f***ing horses. On today's Totally Football League show, we discuss Nottingham Forest's first game under Ita Karanka. He wants two and a half years. Will he get them? It's all gone wrong at Bury. After just ten games, Chris Licchetti is out. Is there any saving the Shakers? And what's happened at Grimsby? How long has Russell Slade got before the Axe falls there as well? We've got all the usual stuff, the fan league, the anthemic music and the presence of real authority that is Matt Stanger. It's all on the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. All right. Hello, everyone. I went a little blue, a little quick. Caroline Barker, how are you?
1: You know what? That wasn't in the original conversation (laughs) when he said, do you want to come in? The minute Trump mentions... A word that I'm not even going to repeat, but every other BBC journalist has mentioned this week. The whole world goes to pot.
0: He's the President of the United States, and if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for us. Matt Stanger, presence of real authority, according to our review on Two Unfortunates.
2: What surprising feedback that is.
0: (laughs) Welcome, welcome. (laughs) It was very nice. A very fair-minded review, I thought. I enjoyed that. Um, Mr Joe Crilly from William
3: Hill. Hello. um, Looking a little tired and sleepy this morning. Have you been up to something? I have. I've been very, very naughty into the early hours of the morning.
0: Dear God.
3: I've been playing football manager again. How's it going? Uh, Not too bad. Yeah. Premier League in three years with Sheffield Wednesday, or two years.
0: This is still the same game that you started with uh, on New Year's Eve?
3: It is indeed, yeah. I haven't actually started my own game yet. I was going to start as Magdeburg after they went to uh, Bolton last week, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I decided that uh, I was just going to stick with the one game, I think, so far.
0: Sheffield Wednesday in the Premier League with Joe Crilley. There is hope. We've got a very busy show, so we're going to go straight to our exciting new news music for our news. <laughs> Barnet have appointed the former... <sighs> Enfield, Farnborough Town, Stevenage, Rushton, Diamonds, Kettering Town, Preston, Peterborough and Newport County manager Graham Wesley as their new head coach. He will take charge of all first team affairs, according to the man we thought was the manager, Mark McGee. On the only Barnet.com forum, there is now a very large thread entitled, No! Graham Wesley, new manager. Oh! Seriously, it's very, very long. With 16 points in six games, one goal conceded, a team nestled in the second automatic promotion slot and a Stoke City bullet dodged, Gary Rowett is living his best life right now. And to top it all, he can call himself Manager of the Month for December. He's not the only one at Derby with a gong. Derby goalkeeper Scott Carson won the individual accolade and he's been backed for a return to the England set-up by his manager. I can't imagine that there's another goalkeeper performing as well as he is week in and week out. The Rams have a two-point advantage over Cardiff, who are in third. Sunderland have told Jack Rodwell they're prepared to rip up his contract with their bare teeth and write off the £10 million transfer fee they paid for him in 2014. They're still waiting for a response. The player has no future with the Black Cats, but may just be happy to see out the remaining 18 months of his £70,000-a-week deal. That would total around £5.4 million in wages, which for 76 appearances at £300,000 a pop, according to the Chronicle in Sunderland at least, makes him the worst pound-for-pound signing in Sunderland history. And that is a strong field. Sheffield United have signed former Chelmsford star Ricky Holmes on a a two-and-a-half-year deal from Chelten for an undisclosed fee. It's a big blow to Addicts boss Carl Robinson. And speaking of big blows, spare a thought for poor George Alec of the Not The Top 20 pod, Huddersfield have recalled Jack Payne from Oxford and there's talk of the playmaker heading to Blackburn for the rest of the season. It should please Matt greatly. Mick McCarthy said Manchester City lonely Bursant Salina has a god-given talent after he scored the winner against Leeds with a 30-yard thunder bastard. He's just got that je ne sais quoi, whatever it is, McCarthy said. Big Mick was in less poetic mood in the post-match press conference when he reminded certain journalists in his press conference that they could f*** off after one too many questions on the absence of Bartosz Bukowski. Doncaster manager Darren Ferguson has apologised for saying he would shoot League One's appalling referees. He was speaking after his side's one all draw with Plymouth on Saturday. Ferguson said his team were denied a blatant penalty and when asked what he would like the Football Association to do with referees, he said, shoot them. I'm sorry and I regret the wording, he said. Well, quite a lot to be getting on with there. Um, shoot swearing. I know, I didn't... I, th- that's producer Tyo's fault, that oh, yeah. one. I didn't see that one I mean, coming.
1: Clearly you don't have to read it, do you?
0: Well, I, I'm kind of in that wrong burgundy you? So discussion. if I write
1: something down right now... I
0: will pretty much read out whatever you write down.
1: Okay, right, Chelmsford City,
0: Ricky Holmes... <laughs> Let's start with uh, Chelmsford City. No, let's start with Barnett.
2: Um Mark McGee, Matt, he didn't last very long, did he? No, he didn't. Um a little bit longer than Chris Lacetti at Bury, but uh yeah, he's moved to a position uh, called Head of Technical. I'm not quite sure what that means.
0: I'm fairly sure former former manager Rossi Eames was supposed to be doing that bit, wasn't he? Yeah,
2: they're just on a yeah. little merry-go-round, yeah. aren't they? Be <laughs> be back
0: in hot
1: As my Barnet supporting friends will tell you, that there's not much technical about them at the moment, <laughs> so it might be a bit of a redundant job. That comes from the mouth of a Barnet fan, so I can get away with saying that, right?
0: OK, well, and, and other things we found from the mouths of Barnet fans, or, or at least from the keyboards of Barnet fans, um, was the comment on the thread that said... It's kind of hopeful and optimistic, so we applaud that. It says, Wesley might be a twat, but he's our twat now, and we have to collectively get behind the team. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh,
1: I was head girl. (laughs) Right, which means this <laughs> kind of language. <laughs> Is there show I've ever seen? Yes, no. Just to shock you all, I want to say the c-word, but I've said chanced enough. Um, oh, hey. Oh. Wesley has, as as you so deftly put it earlier, been through about fifty-two clubs, hasn't he? He's got experience yeah. of of the lower leagues, which might help given their current position at the foot of the table. Something had to change, and they had to get a, a shake-up because when you go to, uh, have you both been along to the hive? I don't know if you've you've been along to see.
0: Barnett. No, oh, I used to go to the old place. Like but I said we
1: were blooming love, Dunhill, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, uh, the the slope in itself could could be a leveler. Uh, I oh, think I heard nice. someone commentate once, which which was ridiculous. <laughs> but you go to the hive and you think actually they they seem to have a setup there that can get money into the the club. Old oh, Tony K has has been there a long time, has seen his own fortune put in, perhaps or at other times dwindle as a result of what's gone on at the club and you just think actually at what point are they going to find their level is their level towards the bottom of the table I don't I don't know whether it is as someone that's experienced Mr Kleanthos in the in the national league I used to love going to to Barnet so it would be a great shame clearly for the club if they were to go down but as a fan I used to love going going there
0: well they are in an awful lot of trouble um derby aren't though we were talking about Gary Rowett and whether or not he'd stick
2: around and is four-year contract, Matt. Yeah, I think that was announced just as I was saying he should consider the Stoke job <laughs> in last week's show. But no, brilliant news for Derby and uh, they followed it up with that 3-0 win at the weekend as well over Birmingham. So... Yeah, they just keep going from centre to centre. He said Scott Carson
0: was the best keeper outside the Premier League.
1: England's number one.
0: <laughs> oh, the,
1: the, the, the fans were, were shouting that, weren't they? Chanting that the, the weekend after. He's great, Yeah, is Scott, and, and clearly he's done well for them. Um, But, but I don't know about recalls for, for the England position. A bit we much. do all right for keepers at the moment, don't we? Best keeper outside
0: the Premier League, though. I and mean, I, I really like Bartowski at Ipswich. Not sure where he's going to end up. Can I also mention w- that to Mick. Yes, <laughs> I also always have a soft spot for uh, Daniel Bentley um, at Brentford because of what he did at South End. Um, who Who are the other contenders? Best Sam keepers?
2: Johnston, definitely. Yeah. he's a future England goalkeeper, surely. Ooh. Aston Villa. Um,
1: but he gets mentioned every week. If you end up doing that's the, the Villa is the the feature game. Maybe not so much recently because they've been doing all right going forward. But but his his saves certainly have, have kept Villa in and around those places.
0: And Dean Henderson at Shrewsbury, who is uh, who is actually uh, an England player, uh, albeit at um, youth level.
2: Yeah, I thought I was watching two of the best goalkeepers in League One at the weekend, David Rayer of Blackburn and uh, Dean Henderson at Shrewsbury, and they both had shockers, so <laughs> both conceded penalties.
0: Well, let's move on to uh, the extended shocker that is Jack Rodwell. <laughs> £70,000 a week contract, £5.5 million pounds of potential earnings there. Matt, what would you do? I'd, I mean, I'd... I'll just go, oh, pfft, that's five and a half million quid. I'll probably just, you know, sit there.
2: He's not going to walk away for nothing, is he? I no. Mean, he signed that contract and he has every right to see it out. And it still lasts until uh, 2019 as well. So quite yeah. a bit of time left tonight. He's 26 years old. I mean, you sort of feel now after leaving Man City, going to Sunderland, and then it was that long run, wasn't it? I think it was... Uh, over 1300 days without a win when he was at Sunderland and he, you know he's probably thinking well his career's on the wane a bit anyway he, this is the last time he's going to earn this amount yeah. so he wants to get every penny
0: Caroline, Sunderland there's no chance of them being able to make him a, a, an offer it's, worth making is there?
1: It's interesting and, and this isn't me dropping the old uh, when I was once a chief exec because this didn't happen at my club but, but I have spoken to a number of managers when they try and ease someone out so do you stick them in the reserves which doesn't always happen when you're you lower down you don't always have a, a reserve team do you make them go and train with the kids? Do you stick them up in, in the stands? Ultimately, as you say, 18 months left and you've got that cash rolling in, it's it's a bit about personal pride, isn't it? Do you want to be playing football? Do you want to be out there on the pitch? If you can't, get someone out of a contract. I could tell you some stories of how managers have got players out of contracts, <laughs> uh, but I may never talk again.
0: We, we may never broadcast uh, yeah, again, no, if you tell probably them.
1: Probably not, although it doesn't have as many swear words in as we've encountered <laughs> in the last... I'm sounding like a prude now. I do, you really are. I do F and Jeff are the best of them, but clearly then I couldn't say <laughs> Um, so <laughs> uh, see, it sounds wrong, doesn't it? Doesn't it? That's a little bit too grants. Uh, really
0: getting the money's worth out so the beat yeah, machine. There
1: are ways, I guess, of getting players out of it cattle prod. If you don't, well, yeah, I think I think they perhaps psychological
0: do. intimidation.
1: Maybe that too. But ultimately, you got to put an arm around someone and say. What do you want to do with the rest of your life, haven't you? Well, the, the only
0: thing with Rodwell is that how he behaves over the next 18 months will have a direct effect on who actually comes in for him later. Yeah. So I can't imagine anyone of any note will really want to pick up someone who hasn't played football in 18 months.
1: You mean when the players suddenly start playing better when they know the new manager's yeah. sat in the stands?
0: <laughs> exactly Mar- Mark Viduca syndrome, I believe we call it. <laughs> anyway, we're already running out of time. Let's get on with the Championship Roundup. Producer Tio, hit the anthemic music. The weekend got off to a a whimper on Friday night as Sheffield United played out a fairly grim goalless draw with Sheffield Wednesday at Bramall Lane. Apologies if a certain Football League podcast led you to believe that would be a corker. There was a corker of a goal at Portman Road, though. Man City, Loney, Bursant, Selina. we mentioned him earlier, spanking home one from miles out to give Ipswich a 1-0 win over Leeds. And they are now four games without a win. And down at the bottom, Hull and Reading played out a particularly tedious
2: 0-0 draw. When you're on a four-match losing run, who better to face than Sunderland? The Black Cats have now gone 320 minutes without a goal and were pumped 4-0 by Cardiff on Saturday. Wolves couldn't get the better of Barnsley though, despite having two goals ruled out for offside. They were held 0-0 by the Tykes, who handed a second-half debut to new signing Kiefer Moore. And that Birmingham revival? After three wins and three clean sheets, they came crashing back to earth with a 3-0 home defeat to Derby.
0: Now We'll talk about them in a moment, but Ita Karanka still has some work to do at Nottingham Forest. A rare Scott Hogan goal gave Uston Villa the win at the city ground. Fulham have finally found some form. A last-minute Oliver Norwood penalty put Tony Pulis' Middlesbrough to the sword and made it 13 points from a possible 15 for the Cottagers. And Neil Harris was furious with the referee after Millwall's 1-0 draw with Preston. It's a good point for the Lions, but he felt it should have
2: been three. Brentford are now just three points behind the playoffs after a routine 2-0 win over Bolton while James Madison continued to impress Premier League scouts with the only goal in Norwich's coupon-busting 1-0 win at Bristol City. And 19-year-old Aramid Otter scored his first goal for QPR as the Hoops cruised to a 3-1 win at Burton.
0: Right, Nottingham Forest then. We spoke about the appointment of Karanka last week. Um, I still think Warburton and McParland were harshly treated. You know, they, they've got a young team, they're playing sporadically entertaining football. Uh, am I just being soft, Caroline?
1: Well, that, uh, the, the point we were making... Or I was making about managers sitting in in the stands when they get that FA Cup performance out of Nottingham Forest. I think Karanka will be all right. Uh, I think he'll 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 be a disciplinarian that we that we see and hear from his previous players and previous clubs that he's he's been. And I think they've got enough quality in in that squad. But you just think. There's so many other teams that have enough quality in their squads. And that's that's the biggest problem, isn't it? With a, with a Championship, it's a brilliant league. And there is quality littered throughout it. And I think you've got to give him, like all these clubs that we mentioned, Liketi at Berry, you've got to give these managers time. You have to. Right, you've gone that route now. Given that time to, to bed in and sort out what he wants to sort out.
0: Well, he's very pointedly mentioning uh, two and a half years over and over again in the press that he did uh, once he was appointed. Um, it remains to be seen whether he'll actually get that time. I think Mark Warburton thought he'd get that time. But w- what do we think of the game itself? They played Aston Villa, um, went down to an early goal, kind of a soft one, wasn't it? Yeah, it's um, a horrible goal to concede. They, they've struggled with set pieces. They could have been 2-0 down with John Terry. Um, but there were, there were positives there, weren't there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. In that, in that uh, front four that they have, I mean, the, the average age of the team was 25, but then the average age of the front four was 20. So it shows you where all of the, the potential is for, for Karanka to, to you know, really bring in an attacking style, which wasn't always seen when he was at Middlesbrough. He's
1: pointed that out to us and he, he said, we're young, we need to improve in that area. So he understands that he's got perhaps those younger players that are going to have, you're not going to have that complete consistency from them, are you?
2: No, and you, you would think perhaps with the, the experience that they've got in the back line though with Mancien and, and Mills there that you know they wouldn't have been quite so, so error-prone against Aston Villa and they did look like a team in the first half that's conceded 43 goals already this season and uh, I think karankas Burris had actually conceded less than that in the whole campaign when they went up in 2015-16. Um,
0: ben Brereton, stoking kind of crisis at the moment circling the bottom of the Premier League um, and this kid playing up front for Nottingham Forest and they let him go. What were they thinking?
1: Uh, for that, a 100 other players... Uh, I don't know. Have you been reading where there's been much reaction to Cummings going as well? There's maybe a, a bit of a a worry about that. They they do have potential though, I think. There and I think that when you look at maybe where that that will come from, some of the younger players might like his approach, might like his style of saying, "All right, this is the way it's going to be. It's my way or the highway."
0: Probably face the strongest task of his career by trying to. Um... Work with uh, Treore at Middlesbrough. <laughs> um, so, if we're looking for young, raw players who need a little bit more structure to their game, I think he's he's well versed in trying to do that, isn't he?
2: Yeah, and that's what he said in his post match comments as well. I mean, there was one word that stood out here for me. I mean, he said Villa were an experienced team, are very organised. We have to be more aggressive, more intense, more organised, and that's going to go all over, isn't it? Really?
1: Yeah. But the, the big worry is, of course, and it, it sounds obvious, is that only it's only Birmingham that have lost more Championship games than them. So. That's, uh, no disparity for Birmingham fans, but you'd be looked down at uh, what's happened with them clearly and, and the, the trouble they're in. That's the area they got to sort out.
0: Yep, that's the thing with Forest. They're either really, really good or really, really bad. Um, Joe, we did odds on Forest going up last week, um, but now that I took Crank has started for real, um, have they changed anything in the last seven days?
3: Yeah, they've been slashed. <laughs> oh! hello from 300 to 1 to 200 to 1 wow and all that from a one nil <laughs> defeat well in uh, in um in reality that that works out about a 0.02% chance ah. uh so um i'm being a little facetious but yeah there there's still very much uh, outsiders in that particular market It does feel like this
0: in particular, it's a tough season, but mainly because of Wolves. But next season's not going to be any easier if we've got the likelihood of uh, Stoke and Swansea coming down. Um, so with Forest, it really is a question of how much time Karanka will get. Fortunately, I don't think we're going to have an answer for that for a while. When we come back, however, we will have the Fan League.
2: You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag your odds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gamblerware.org and when the fun stops, stop. All right, time to
0: play the Fan League. You know all about it. You get it off the App Store just by typing in Fan League. You get a slip with 13 games and all you got to do is pick home win, away win, away win or draw, most of them are Premier League games. We've got uh, five championship games and that's where we're going to try and help out in as much as that is ever worth anything. Uh, First game on the slip is Aston Villa against Barnsley. Villa,
2: um, three wins on the bounce now, Matt. Yeah, Villa looking decent and uh, Scott Hogan, you could really see the confidence boost of his his goal against Nottingham Forest as well. Who's Couple of other moments he had in the second half uh, before he's replaced, where where he went fairly close as well, and uh, I think that's a big big boost for Villa because they need a goal scorer really. That's what they've been lacking. So I can see Villa beating Barnsley in this one.
0: Caroline, Barnsley played Wolves last weekend. I watched the game last night. They were really good.
1: Kiefer Moore too, uh, a bit of hope with with Kiefer Moore coming in. I think though that I'm going to edge it with you and and just think that the Villa perhaps have got that little bounce. At the moment, and and I just think they they've got the strength that's that's finally coming forward. Scott Hogan, what what a story and for him to score in consecutive matches, having been what was it five hundred and sixty two years without without a goal previously. <laughs> and, and I don't know, someone was saying about the what was it twelve million pound price tag around his neck. I mean, it's nothing now, is it <laughs> twelve million quid? I'm looking at the you, Matt, say, that for two goals, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, you do if they're the ones that win you the championship, or at least get you promoted. So, uh, yeah, ed- edging towards Villa.
0: All right, Leeds against Millwall. Leeds were getting it all together, um, but they've lost three of their last four, which Matt will be pleased with, because you, you always said that recovery was illusory, really. not,
2: Yeah. Not real. Never really been convinced by, by Leeds this season, and uh, I actually watched their first defeat at Millwall earlier in the campaign when they were completely outclassed. It was only a 1-0 win. But Millwall, again, they just don't travel very well, did he? So Haven't won an away game all season. Perhaps a boring 0-0 draw for this one. Caroline?
1: When you look at a Millwall's aside, I think they've got to get that win somewhere. And this may be the moment. It won't, of course, be the moment. But this may be the moment that Millwall come through. OK. They're
0: sort of... Faint vote of confidence there from Caroline. QPR, Middlesbrough. QPR, the most impossible team to ever predict. And Middlesbrough not settling as quickly as you might have thought. Um, Bit of a graveyard this one, isn't it, Matt?
2: Yeah, I think I'll go for QPR, actually, home win after that great performance against Burton the other day.
0: Caroline?
1: One of those stadiums that they go to and when everyone is bouncing, you're bouncing too, regardless of whether you love them or or not, so QPR.
2: Okay, and Wolves against Ita Carrancas, Nottingham Forest. Um, Matt? It could sort of mirror what Sunderland did at Wolves and just defend for ninety minutes and get a nil-nil draw and Wolves have had a couple of those recently. So yeah, I'm not off the draw. Did I- you
1: not hear the noise I made? <laughs>
2: yes, I did.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Are they ready to defend like that?
1: That that is their only hope. If he's had enough time with them this week training could just do it. And Wolves have got that old, you know, when you go into a YouTube wormhole and, and you kind of get lost constantly. I think Bristol City got a touch of that at the moment where you're maybe distracted by other things that, that are going on. <laughs> uh, and, and I think perhaps the fact that they've got so much else going on has maybe had a little bit of an eye off, but they've got the, the decent quality in their team. I've just swung myself back round, Wolves are gonna win it.
0: Okay. Yeah Sheffield Wednesday Cardiff. Um yeah, Cardiff <laughs> back on form, sort of. Can you really take four nil over Sunderland
2: as any kind of indication of anything? Ten man Sunderland as yeah. well. Cardiff only win one nil at that stage. I-, I think draw for this one, I'm just gonna sit on the fence.
0: I've I've got nil-nil for this one. Caroline?
1: I'm going for new manager, same result. No, we're gonna go for a win. Oh. Sheffield Wednesday win. Ooh
0: oldness indeed that's the fan league then Um, get on that it's on the app store and you can join our league if you look for uh, me and send me a request you can join the totally football league show league when we come back after the break we'll be looking at league one listeners you like stats and so do I so have a bang on this one 81% of men who try the cornerstone razor don't go back to their old one I know Find out more and get £10 off your first order and free delivery too at cornerstone.co.uk slash totally. Right, it's time for League One. League leaders Wigan were held to a goalless draw at home by Peterborough this weekend, but they can take some consolation from the fact that this was their seventh League One clean sheet in a row. Haven't conceded since November. Fellow promotion chasers Scunthorpe were denied victory too. They were held to a one-all draw by Portsmouth. Nearly 18,000 people saw that one. And there was no winner either in the bitterest rivalry in the Football League. MK Dons and AFC Wimbledon ended goalless.
2: In the battle of 3rd versus 2nd, Blackburn beat Shrewsbury 3-1 to close the gap to 2 points and make it 15 games unbeaten, the longest run in the top 4 divisions. Blackpool still haven't won at home since October though, drawing 0-0 with Bristol Rovers, while Bradford suffered another shock result at Valley Parade, losing 2-1 to Northampton.
0: Oldham are still struggling. They drew 1-0 with Rotherham and they haven't won a league game since December the 9th. Only goal difference keeps Richie Welland's men out of the relegation places. Walsall put a bit of space between themselves and the drop zone with a hard-fought 2-1 win over the magnificently inconsistent Oxford United. But Christ, on a bike, Southender in the shit. They went down 2-1 at home to Fleetwood. They've lost eight of their last nine. Next weekend's trip to 23rd place Rochdale now looks like do or die for Phil
2: Brown. Berry's 1-0 defeat to Charlton signalled the end of Chris Lachetti's 54-day spell as manager. The Shakers failed to score a single goal under Lachetti, losing seven of his eight games in charge. Does anyone know if Darren Ferguson has cooled off yet? The Doncaster boss suggested referees should be shot after his side were denied a clear penalty at the end of a 1-1 draw with Plymouth. And Gillingham continued to climb the table and built Steve Lovell, moving five points clear of the bottom four with a 2-1 win over Rochdale.
0: All right, good news for your lot then, Matt Blackburn. You were you were
2: at Ewood Park at the weekend, weren't you? I was, yeah. It was a proper contest, real end-to-end first half, and I felt a little bit sorry for Gregor Robertson, Robertson actually, who uh, I bumped into at half-time in the uh, the press lounge, and I was sort of complaining about how Blackburn weren't dominating possession, and he was looking at me like, you're playing really well, you're probably going to win this game. And he wrote a brilliant piece in the Times as well on Monday, uh, talking about Blackburn's revival under Tony Mowbray, and, and that continued against Shrewsbury, which w- was great to see, obviously, as, as a fan
0: yeah weirdly, weirdly optimistic times for Blackburn Rovers, which I do not begrudge you after all you've been through um however, South End, oh God, it's bad i I watched the game on Sunday morning in uh, as much as I could, sort of behind a cushion. The South End have always been kind of you know functional under Phil Brown, but decently functional they They get the job done, but when that slips away, they look very, very poor. Caroline, I don't know how much you've seen
1: what's what's going on? What what is going on? (laughs) Do you want to have a therapy session? Because I I, I watched it, the pitch was poor, but I know that that Uh, Shrimp Zone has been moaning about that since... Forty-two years ago. G- generally,
0: I don't think poor pitches really bother Phil Brown teams. No, yeah, you and know, I, 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 that that sounded really mean-spirited. You know, it's a hard, hard place for him to be right now. But, but
1: is he not getting? It's, the, it's more than that. Not getting the financial support. Not getting.
0: It's it's not so much that it, it, they just they look short of ideas. They look like they've gone stagnant. They look like they don't really have
2: that kind of focal point that they are grasping at the mm. moment, and and they're just not good enough. Selling Ryan Leonard to Sheffield United at this yeah. stage just looks like you've given. Up on the playoffs as well, doesn't it? Really?
0: Well, I think that that had gone some time ago. But ultimately, you know, that's not far off a million quid, and it's a an opportunity for the player as well. You can't really stand in his way there. um But the yeah, <laughs> it, it looks it, like a relegation battle. Well,
1: that's it. It comes to something when you look in one of the main headings on the on the forum is: Are there four worse teams than <laughs> us in the league?
0: Please let there be. I'm not sure there are because. Northampton, uh, back-to-back wins now. Yeah, Um, They're always going to get out of that. I think Oldham are a perfectly decent team. Uh, Bristol Rovers are a decent team. The team's in the mix. Could be Bury, though. Could be worse. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, do you know what? We should have a little look at Bury, shouldn't we? Do you want to know the history of Bury? I would love to hear the history of Bury. Thank God you've said that. And thanks to the Bury Times for this, because the club, unfortunately, didn't have much of a history section on their own website, which always turns my feelings against them. Anyway... Berry Football Club were formed in 1885 in a White Horse Hotel, and they immediately entered a market even more crowded than football podcasting. They had to compete with Berry Wesleyans, Berry Unitarians, Berry Rovers, Berry Tradesmen, Berry Coffee House, and, bucking the trend, Gig Rovers. Uh, in 1892, Club Supremo John T. Ingham invented the nickname on the spot in the middle of a thunderous Lancashire Cup final pre-match team talk. "We shall shake 'em," he roared. "In fact, we are the Shakers." And so they became the Shakers. They joined the Football League in 1894, won the second division in their first season and then beat Liverpool in what was known as a test match, an early precursor of the playoffs, uh, to swap places with the Merseysiders. They won two FA Cups, one in 1900 and one in 1903, thrashing Derby 6-0. That record for margin of victory still stands today for an FA Cup final. In 1926, they finished 4th in Division 1, their highest placing ever above Man United, Man City and Liverpool. But they were relegated from the top flight in 1929 and they haven't been back since. In 1971, they dropped into the 4th Division for the first time and the closest they came to a recovery was in the mid-90s when Stan Turnant led them to back-to-back promotions and a brief spell in the 2nd Division. But then it all went wrong. The finances went down a pooper and they were only really saved by the dedication of their own supporters. At one point, according to the BBC, two men were sat in a van outside gig lane with a padlock ready to shut the club down but then Stuart Day arrived in May 2013 and cleared the decks Day had a five year plan to return to the second flight and when Berry were promoted to League 1 in 2015 they were well on course but they finished 16th, 19th and they're currently in a position that we can only describe as extremely 24th so, Caroline, what's gone wrong?
1: Oh, why'd you have to sow sew Caroline to me? Couldn't you have gone to him over there? <laughs> um, sorry, Matt, just gonna him over there. What's gone wrong having a five year plan to get into the, the championship? Is that too ambitious? I, it's just one of those things that yeah, great, internalize that. Just don't tell everyone, because <laughs> then it goes wrong. Very much when I open my mouth. Uh it's it's certainly not working out well, but I think in in the Ketty and when he got the, the job, we all turned around and thought, oh, you know, seemingly someone that loves the club. But we thought that about um, the, the previous two incarnates maybe and just, just too much, too soon, too often changing around. But they're just not scoring goals. It's what, 12 and a half hours or something ridiculous?
0: It's a very, at, very at long time. Um, Caroline, um, you know, uh, alludes to the, the, the problem with um, setting incredible targets is that you always find yourselves underneath them Uh, Lee Clark came in with a reasonable amount of investment and some new players he was dispatched quite quickly Chris Lucchetti and uh, assistant manager Joe Parkinson dumped on Monday morning Um, Ryan Lowe and Ryan Kidd will take charge of the first team
2: until the end of the season.
1: Does Ryan Lowe want it? He didn't seemingly want it last
2: time. No, he looked like he really wasn't enjoying it last time because obviously he's such a club legend and to, to be managing a club at... A pretty painful juncture of their history, mm. uh, you know, isn't something that I imagine he wants to be involved in for too long. But he did get that win against Shrewsbury that, that sort of set Lachetti up. You would think for hopefully a good start, and then they didn't score in any of his league matches in charge. So it really was a miserable run. And Stuart Day sacked three managers in 14 months now. But you sort of understand because they're 12 points adrift. You've just got to take another risk, haven't you? Yeah.
0: I watched the game um, against Plymouth um, that we spoke about last week and it was funny because for the first sort of 10 minutes or so you wouldn't have guessed Berry were in so much trouble they're making a decent fist of it and then Plymouth got a free kick and it was just a simple free kick 30 35 yards out lofted the ball into the penalty area and uh, our old friend Diagaraga is completely open like there's no
2: one anywhere near him it's it's a good comparison to make actually is uh, is Plymouth especially in that game because when uh, Lachetti took over, he got a draw at Northampton in his first match, and they were level, Bury, on 17 points at the bottom of the table with Plymouth. Plymouth now have 35 and are in 12, and Bury is still down there on 17 points, completely cut adrift. It was uh, all, all the
0: basics going horribly, horribly wrong for for Chris Lucchetti. And it's going to be
2: very, very
0: hard to turn that around, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it was the same thing at the weekend as well with the basics against Charlton. I mean, for a side that hasn't scored in eight matches, they didn't manage a single shot on target. So clearly you're not going to get a result if if that's happening. And And,
0: and we we should point out, by the way, that this is a Charlton side so depleted... Um, that there were two players on the bench I know one was forced to Kasky I can't remember the name of the other um, that manager Carl Robinson had said that they, they weren't fit they weren't able to play um, but they'd begged to be allowed to go on the trip up to Berry and make themselves available if they were needed you yeah, only had five
2: uh, subs so.
0: yeah. <laughs> Cheltenham are in you know, not good shape that, that was a game Barry should have had down to turn it around
2: yeah, well, you, you would think uh, it was great play actually by Joe Rebo, chart midfielder, who's, who's looked a real talent this season, I have to say, whenever I've seen him play uh, for Mark Marshall's goal. But yeah, Bury, they, they looked like a team that didn't really know each other again. I mean, they put in 23 players over the summer and it's a bit of a revolving door really because three of those have left in the last week as well. Uh, Tom Aldridge just completing a move to Motherwell this morning on, on loan and uh, they've they've signed another three players last week James Hanson who great experience at this level we would think would be a player who uh, could give them quite a, a big lift Peter Clark obviously knows the club and has lots of experience as well And Connor Ripley brought in on loan the goalkeeper all of those came into the starting lineup against Charlton and so you're back to that stage of like having to get everyone to know each other again
1: did uh, i wonder how much the Jermaine Beckford injury as well whether that kind of scuppered him to I mean you can't just put it all down on onto one player but sometimes your best laid plans and all that go out the window
0: yeah and sometimes with a player like um, James Hansen who you may remember from the Bradford League Cup run he is very very big not particularly mobile and sometimes you can get stuck into that way of playing as yeah. well they did seem pretty static there
2: um, do we think there's any way back for him? It totally depends on who they appoint, doesn't it, really? I mean,
0: if they appoint, I mean, the, well,
1: they're, they're taking it to the end of the season. Yeah, aren't it looks they?
2: like the uh,
0: the pair of Ryans are there um, until the end of the season, in as much as anyone has any kind of.
2: I was looking on the, the message boards and there's a few optimistic shouts for Simon Grayson, but you can't imagine him taking that job. John Sheridan, another name who you'd maybe throw into the mix if they, if they don't decide to stick with Lowe until the end of the season. But there was also a lot of sympathy for Lachetti as well because, you know, he is a club legend defender played hundreds of games there. So I think they see it as an unfortunate situation that he came into, really, rather than one that should taint his managerial career going forward.
1: And you would imagine that that Stuart Day has gone and had a word. You would have thought with with some of the players, or at least some of those in in the dressing room, say, all right, if if Ryan Lowe comes back in, what's what's the feeling? So you'd hope that maybe he can galvanise them and show that kind of spirit that they had against Shrewsbury.
0: Well, he certainly had a word after their FA Cup exit. Um, dumped out of the cup very early. He said to get knocked yeah. out in the way we did is extremely disappointing for me. We lacked fight, passion, and desire—attributes that I, as chairman, expect the players to give when wearing the shirt of Barry Football Club. You always know when someone says football club that mm. they're being—that this is to be taken very seriously. Um, just in case there's any doubts, um, he actually still has plans for a new stadium um, that he wants to have ready for 2019-2020 uh, on the basis that. Yeah, as all clubs at this level are dependent entirely on gate income that comes in once every two weeks. He wants a major project, which he says will be operational 365 days a year.
2: I think that's great news, to be honest, because you might look at it and think, oh, you know, why are you talking about such big ambitions at a stage when the club's doing miserably in in League One? But then it's a bit like we were talking about Barnet earlier. And if you have that infrastructure off the field, then it, it always means that if you do start plummeting down for the divisions, you have something to build from and get yourself back there. So I, I think that's that's um, great news. We have seen at Mansfield, um
0: though you know, we did laugh about the nature of some of the entertainment, but they're the constant run of big ticket events um, at that stadium does give them a revenue that enables them to be competitive. So.
2: People always want to watch Michael Bublé impersonators. <laughs> you know that, you know. Christmas party
0: 2018. Um, there's no market for next manager odds uh, on the basis that the caretakers are probably sticking around. Joe, are there uh, any odds on Barry not getting relegated? Any any at all?
3: Um, well, they're 1-20 to, 20 to go down, um, which relates to 7-1 to one to stay up. Uh, so still single figures, so still a little bit of hope. But if we're if we're going back to how that relates to a percentage, it, it looks at about six percent uh, likelihood of them staying up.
0: Right. Well, there you go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, of course, we can lighten the mood, um, and uh, you know, advertise Berry to any new players potentially coming in. They have a year-round calendar of events. There, you can step back in time on the East Lancashire Railway for a 1940s weekend. You can experience the Berry Nightlight, a host of musical festivals, and our very own original on the website. Our very own original Ramsbottom Chocolate Festival.
2: Ramsbottom's a lovely little town actually, if uh, you do get a chance to go, lots of great real ale there I would like to go for the Chocolate Festival If you want to go
0: and see Berry, tickets range between 18 to 22 quid for adults, 12 to 16 for concessions and 6 pound for under 11s, if you've gotten under 5 they go free, uh, by train Berry Interchange is only a 10 minute walk away and uh, there are bus services and tram networks and things uh, the club doesn't have parking in the official car park, uh, there is a Phoenix House car park located opposite the Stadium. That's £5 for cars, but it is first come, first served. When we come back, we'll be taking a look at League Two. League Two then, hit the music. Notts County needed a late George Grant goal to secure a point at Lincoln on Saturday. Kevin Nolan's side are just three points off Leaders Luton now, and Matt will tell you what happened there in a moment. Colchester's form has collapsed. They haven't won since Boxing Day, and their 3-1 defeat to Wickham, who go fourth, sends them spiralling down to 11th. And there was no FA Cup hangover for Newport. They beat struggling Grimsby, more
2: on whom later, 2-1, and they are 10th. It wasn't a classic between Cambridge and Mansfield in a 0-0 draw at the Abbey Stadium, but Carlisle edged their way past crew 1-0, thanks to Sam Cosgrove's first goal for the club. And Accrington won 2-0 at Cheltenham, Thanks to a little help from Chairman Andy Holt's pre-match diagram.
0: Forest Green's recruitment drive and subsequent 1-0 win over Port Vale had us all cooing last week. Eh, Recovery didn't last very long. They went down to Swindon and they barely mustered a shot in doing so. They remain in the drop zone. It's getting tight down there. A late Tom Pope penalty meant that Port Vale shared the points with Yeovil, a result that will satisfy neither club. And Morecambe's efforts to break free of the dogfight were dealt a grievous blow by Stevenage's Fraser Franks, whose 89th-minute equaliser secured the draw.
2: In the shock of the day in League Two, Chesterfield beat table-topping Luton 2-0 to jump out of the bottom two. But Barnett have pulled the lever mark Graham Wesley after losing 2-0 to Harry Cuell's Crawley Town, TN. And Exeter are back in fifth after beating Coventry 1-0. Their recent form reads, 1-1, lost 1, 1-1, lost 1, 1-1, lost 1, 1-1. I think we all know what's going to happen against Notts County. Draw. (laughs) Lovely
0: stuff. Uh, Andy Holt, chairman of Atcrington. What's this diagram?
2: Yeah, he drew a picture of the goal and around the posts he marked no goal, no goal, no goal with some helpful arrows pointing to the net saying goal. So uh, Accrington they have scored 44 goals so far in League Two so I'm not sure they needed that help but Billy Key anyway took the the chairman's advice. Who knew that was all it took?
0: Let's have a look at Grimsby. Uh, Producer Ben says, uh, according to legend, because Producer Ben still hangs out on this Google Doc um, because he feels that there's too much football and not enough stories about Vikings. Um, so his, Grimsby was founded in the 9th century by a Danish Viking and the name Grimsby is thought to have originated from the Grims or, or from Grims Village, based on Grim, the Viking who was thought to be founder of the town. So there you go. <laughs> Always trying to add something. Grimsby Pelham... They were That was their original name, though, named after the family name of the wealthy landowner, the Earl of Yarlborough. Uh, they were founded in 1878, like so many clubs of that era, in a pub, in this case the Wellington Arms, and by cricketers who just wanted something to do in the off-season. Uh, they didn't move to Blundell Park until 1899. They were founder members of the short-lived Football Alliance in 1889, which merged with the Football League in 1892, whereupon they joined the Second Division. They didn't stay there for long, though. They went up to the top flight as champions in 1901. They didn't stay there for long, though. They went back down in 1903 and failed in a bid for re-election to the Football League in 1910 before bouncing back after a year of purgatory in the Midland League. They returned to the top flight in 1934, but relegation in 1948 marked the end of their time at the top. Fun fact, though, in 1954, they became the first Football League side to hire a foreign manager, Hungarian Elemer Burkesy.
3: Hmm,
0: Bill Shankly had a crack there for a bit, too, but he left when he became frustrated with the board's lack of ambition – Back-to-back promotions from the 4th to the 2nd in 79 and 80 were a notable high in decades of lows. They spent almost the entirety of the 90s in the second flight, though, thanks to Alan Buckley's abilities. And um, Back-to-back relegations in 03 and 04 plunged them into the basement as their financial problems, not aided by the collapse of ITV Digital, intensified. And they circled the drain for a little while before finally vanishing around the U-Bend in 2010. But in 2011 Paul Hurst turned up and after three failed playoff attempts it was fourth time's charm as they returned to the Football League in 2016
2: and they lost again at the weekend to Newport. It's not looking good, is it, Matt? No, uh, seven games without a win, like you say, and uh, they've only scored twice in that run. They've struggled to score goals all season, managing 27 in total. When they finally pulled one back against Newport the weekend, Jamil Matt, he then got a red card. I watched the game uh, against Morecambe the week before and
0: the first goal was... It was one of those ones you have to watch back three or four times because you think something must be wrong, someone must be offside, or the the referee must have stopped the game. But he hadn't. It was perfectly legitimate and Morecambe striker was... I mean, he could have swung a chair around him. He had so much space.
2: Yeah, there's times in matches where Grimsby look quite a competent team and they pass it around quite well and then times where they just look completely open at the back and they also seem to build quite patiently in the opposition half, pass it around nicely, create a bit of space, get about 20 yards from goal and just think, yeah, let's just have a pop and blast it into the stand. Caroline, it's Russell
0: Slade. I mean, you are not find many more experienced managers. It, uh, and it's particularly as wrong. his
1: name autocorrects to Russell Spade, so he should <laughs> dig them out of it, which is poor. Feel free to cut that out. That, but that is true, actually, That that's autocorrect, because I was having the very same conversation uh, with someone who's a fairly well-known Grimsby fan and, and tweeted him and managed to put Russell Spade and There, rest is history. They are a team that has a hugely fantastic vocal support that 2016 playoff final when they're all doing the fish behind the goal if those that haven't seen it imagine the Icelandic chant but just insert the word fish every time (laughs) they go Uh, losing Paul Hurst losing that that kind of spine of the club too is clearly going to take time for them to rebuild but that promotion from the National League to League 2 is one of the toughest promotions anywhere in football given how few spots there are only the one automatic so no club needs to needs to drop down that far. And I, I just think, I hope that Groomsby have enough about them.
2: Yeah, the, the problem with that promotion as well is that it wasn't too long after that they lost Paul Hurst to Shrewsbury. No. They lost John Nolan, brilliantly talented midfield player who was uh, so instrumental in that promotion and Omar Bogle as well. So the club lost a lot of talent in a short space of time and it's really difficult to, to settle yourself after that. And, and Russell Slade's come in and uh, I was actually looking at a poll um, on Twitter the other day by a Grimsby fan, and uh, it was simple question. Do you want Russell Slade to stay or go? Mm. And out of 300 votes, 90% want him to leave so the pressure's really on him right now. Well,
0: the board have met to discuss that very matter uh, just over a week ago. Um, and and what I thought was good, they released a very long statement with lots of information, which I think most most fans will appreciate. They said, uh, Grimsby Town's football club's board of directors met yesterday to discuss a number of footballing and operational matters. The board wished to place on record how disappointed they are with recent performances and the nature of those performances. The supporters are the lifeblood of our club and have every right to express concern following such performances. Quite frankly, we all expect better the board met yesterday and voted unequivocally to support the existing management team financially in the current January transfer window and throughout the summer to continue their rebuilding exercise of the playing squad um, that message was met immediately by a lovely pastiche on the fan site cod Almighty well they um, took that and turned it all around um, I mean it's two terrible results losing at home to Morecambe and and Newport um, but once they've released a statement like that, They can't really go back on that now, can they? Well, it's
1: not just about releasing the statement. It's saying publicly that you are going to give the management team the money for that transfer period. And and again, over the summer too. So they're even looking that far ahead. So if you're saying we're going to back you with the resources, then you're kind of almost hanging the manager out to dry because you're saying well, we're giving you the funds to go and do it. And you're also saying, all right, we're giving you the time to go and do it. So in this instance, you've got the ability to bring the players in. So it's the kind of lack of excuses. that has gone.
2: It's yeah. uh, I think in some ways the loyalty between the board and, and Russell Slade was cemented in that bizarre episode at the end of November. Yeah. I, I don't know if you saw this. It was a, a fans forum chaired by BBC reporter, Matt Dean. And, uh, He was criticised by Slade and director John Fenty over a story about former player Curtis Woodhouse potentially returning to the club as first-team coach. And uh, Slade really jumped in and tried to take advantage of this and uh, a few friends were having a pop, at the reporter Matt Dean as well. And it seemed that the the board and Slade very much saw this as... uh, an opportunistic story to try and unsettle the management at the club. And, and and since then, despite this poor run, I mean, at that stage, actually, Grimsby were doing quite well. They were 11th. They weren't too far off the playoff spots and they'd won three in a row at the start of December. But I think the board, yeah, will stick with him.
0: I mean, the, the the mood is obviously absolutely awful. Um, they haven't won since December the 9th, as you say, three goals in the last seven games since that win. Um, on Um Online, and yeah, we've we've been on there and checked out. There's not not an awful lot of patience. Uh, definitely an awful lot of uh, slayed out campaign um a number of uh, angry messages about the manager. But is there a risk that maybe we are just you know getting a a bit too you know reading too much into it? Because they're they're actually closer to the playoffs than they are the relegation zone.
2: Yeah, they're still eleven points above the relegation zone, and I think the way Chesterfield. Barnet Forest Green all st- sort of threaten to drag themselves out of it and then they go and lose another six in a row or something yeah. ridiculous I, I think they'll be absolutely fine on that J- just a word actually on how passionate the fans are I totally agree with Caroline my, my experience I've been to Blundell Park a few times and I, I saw them in that playoff run as well away at Braintree when I think they invaded the pitch about ten times in jubilation at having, <laughs> having won that match in uh, extra time but they they really are a passionate bunch. But when I was talking to Gregor at the weekend at Blackburn, he mentioned something that maybe sums it all up a little bit. He said after the first leg against Braintree, uh, which they lost, when they went into training the next day, there was a sign saying "Hurst out" that someone had left there, and he was like, "Come on, we've got a second leg here to, to fight for." So.
0: Joe, chances of Grimsby going down?
3: They're twenty-five to one to go down, uh, and they are still in our betting for promotion as well. Obviously, League Two has been incredibly close. Uh, pretty much all season for some of those uh, teams in the middle of the table. They're 80 to 1 to go up. But uh, if they are going to back Russell Slade in the January transfer window, and he is going to be sticking around for a while, uh, he's a very experienced manager. So that 80 to 1, if he can get a little run going, that 80 to 1 doesn't look Too ridiculous.
0: All right. Well, talking of odds, we've got some TV games to look at. Um, Let's talk first of all Norwich versus Chelsea FA Cup replay uh, tomorrow on on Wednesday, um, depending on when you're listening to this. First game, not exactly a classic, was it? But what are the chances that Norwich could get something?
3: Yeah, that was a a real coupon buster, that one. I think Chelsea will want 1 to 10 to win it. Uh, But they are 1 to 4 Chelsea to win this, Norwich 10 to 1, and the draw 5 to 1.
0: All right, then we've got Derby against Bristol City on Friday. That should be a good one. Bristol City, of course, actually five defeats on the bounce, if you count all competitions.
3: Yeah, uh, not to after time, but I do a, a betting column in a leading... Uh newspaper uh, at the weekend and Bristol were my team Bristol City were my team to swerve this week given all of their cup exploits Um, and I think they might be a team to swerve again they're 13 to 5 to win this away at Derby the home side 21 to 20 so just a shade above even money and the draw 12 to 5
0: and on Saturday you can watch Sheffield Wednesday if you're not scarred by Friday's game Uh, they are at home to Cardiff good chance for the new man to get his first win
3: yeah, and this was uh, one of the fan league games with two of you going for a, a, a draw and I Caroline, <laughs> Caroline, go for a win. And I, I actually do think that Wednesday might win this one yeah. uh, as well. Thirteen to eight for a home win, uh, Cardiff just a little bit longer at seven to four, and uh, the draw eleven to five.
0: Lovely stuff. Thank you very much for that, Joe. We've got some questions in coming at you in random order. Harry on Twitter says Tim Cahill to Millwall. Yes or no? Is this a
1: story anyone's heard about? Uh, there was some rumours during the rounds on Monday night on social media that he'd be returning home, the Wanderer would return. He, he wants to try and get a gig with Australia in Russia at the World Cup and then and then maybe look at it coming back.
2: Would
0: that be worth taking a punt on?
2: Yeah, I think it's been dismissed by the club I think I saw yesterday, so probably a non-starter, but it would be a great story, wouldn't it? Oh,
1: 38, isn't he, or 30,
2: 49? No, <laughs> sounds about right to me, both of them.
1: Bring him home! <laughs>
0: Um, Josh Sweetman, he says, Can you name a better League One centre back than Matt Clark at Portsmouth? Says he's only 21. He's clearly destined for the Premier League with clubs already looking at him. Defends well above his years. I haven't actually seen Portsmouth in a few months.
2: Yeah, I watched uh, Matt Clark play against Charlton when they won 1 0 a few weeks ago when I, I then was very sickly and had to cry off the pod that week. But he played really well, actually. Portsmouth looked really organised in defence, which you, you expect nothing less than Kenny Jacket. Nice. Well, we'll keep an eye on him. Um,
0: Gabriel Sutton wants to know, is this Phil Brown's toughest period yet as South End manager? Um, it's worth remembering that I think when he took the job, he went about eight or nine games without a win. Um, so I'm fairly sure he thought that was pretty tough. But yeah, mm. I, think, I think we could be looking... Quite possibly at the end game here, and finally Chris HJ says, "How perilous is Hull's situation currently? Lack of transfer activity scares him."
1: As I say, insert given month at any time recently, isn't it? <laughs> with, with Hull uh, again, there's another club where their fans have been through it, and something has. You would think something would have to give, but you've been thinking something would have to give for the last, as I say six months, 12 months.
0: Yeah, it doesn't look particularly good over there. If you want to get your questions in or your comments in or reviews in, um, check us out. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on InstaSnaps, we're on Various other things. Um, and Social Pool is uh, with the company now and doing magical work with videos and audio. So uh, do check us out. Give us a follow on all of those things. We are just about out of time. It only remains for me to thank producer Tayo and Social Pool for their work beforehand. Um, Caroline Barker, thank you so much for coming in.
1: We didn't get to mention Ricky Holmes. Yes. yes. Uh, uh, did you still Losing you know, his dad. His oh, dad God. was our uh, parrot at Chelmsford City, so he was the mascot. So every club he goes to, he takes his dad with him. So uh, Charlton have now lost his dad as well.
0: Oh, well, this is this is a grievous blow. He was uh, he was always pretty good at Chelmsford, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, all right, don't rub it in. Don't think we've got any money for him.
0: <laughs> Caroline, thank you so much. You'll be back next week, won't you?
1: Oh, yes. Yes.
0: Fantastic uh, news. Thank Matt. you
1: for reminding me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you'll be back next week, won't you? Hope so. Excellent stuff. Um, let us know what we you want us to cover um, as well. We always try to listen to your suggestions, uh, so give us a shout. Joe Crilly, you'll be back next week as well. Where can people follow you in the meantime? Uh, at footy underscore Joe. Lovely stuff. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next Tuesday.
2: The Totally Football League show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email us at sales at muddykneesmedia.com.
0: Hello there, it's James Richardson here. I don't know about you, but listening to that theme tune takes me back to altogether happier times. The ice cream, the pink newspapers, the the double espressos, the hair. For those of you who don't start doodling
2: during our Italian roundups on the Totally Football show, well, here's some news you've been waiting for. From mid-January, we're going to be bringing you a brand-new weekly podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest events from Cydia and turning the clock back to the good old days, you know, when the national
0: team used to go to the World Cup. The name of the show? Like you didn't know already. Golazzo! Golazzo,
2: the totally Italian football show. You can subscribe now on Audio Boom, iTunes, and everywhere else you get your podcasts.